So it says in Acts 14 from verse 21, when they had preached the gospel, this is Paul and, Paul and Barnabas, to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. And from there they sailed to Antioch. So you can see Paul and Barnabas doing this route through. And it says there, And when they had been commended to the grace of God for the so Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled, and when they arrived, they gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. So Paul and Barnabas set out from the church of Antioch, they went and traveled through, they encouraged, they built up, they made disciples, they raised up leaders, they uh, ordained elders, and then what happens is they start making their way back, and eventually when they arrive back at Antioch, the church that had sent them, they gather the church and they give feedback as to what had happened. And that's a beautiful picture of the apostolic prophetic model of which we are a part of. So last week I spoke about the Ephesians 4 gifting and we had um, Kia come and share in light of that. We had Henny and Zelda with us and they've moved on from us today. they in uh, Mandini at Riversong Church and they've gone to encourage and to speak life over them. So they'll be spending some time with Barry and Wendy in, in Mandini and then tomorrow they make their way back to Joburg. But then this week, we have Vanna and Taryn with us, and they've come to encourage and to strengthen and to build up. And then what happens is they go back next week, where they're celebrating the third year of Ramesh Cornerstone, and they go and they get to give feedback of what happened here. So it says that they declared all that God had done with them. What a beautiful picture, him to come back and bring back to the church what God is busy doing outside. Um, Vanna, come through. Absolute privilege to always be sharing the Word of God. Um, I think let's pray and then let's just get our hearts ready for what God is wanting to say. Not that He isn't speaking, but let's all of this just focus our hearts and our minds. Father, we thank You this morning that when we come together, we do so not because of a man or a movement, but because of Christ our King. And this morning we want to focus on You. We want to say, Lord, have Your way, have Your will. Let it be done in this church. Let it be done through this community. Everything you are planting here and are sowing into the DNA of this church that's being planted. I thank you, Lord, that there'll be much fruit and that your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's so much uh, in church planting. And uh, I don't think God adds anybody to a church plant without a purpose. So if you're sitting here this morning... You've got to ask yourself, what is your purpose? What is your role to play in this church plant? It's wonderful for us to be part of a community and to already be focusing out and assisting other churches in what it is they're doing. But the wonderful thing about what God's doing is He's added you with your DNA to this community so that this community can fulfill the purpose of God in this region for the time and season that He's put you here. I'm reminded of the scripture that says that God has determined the times and the places that we should live. So uh, being here in Belito, a little bit of out of the way, does not mean that this is not where God has placed you. 
And uh, this morning while we were worshiping, I don't want to prophesy now, but I was reminded of where Jesus asked the disciples, who did you expect to go see in the desert? I mean, it's like, why did they go out to the desert to go see John the Baptist? Because he was a prophet and he was a man of God doing the will of God. So don't worry about location. Don't worry about where you are. Don't worry about, am I far? Am I close? No, let me tell you something. The spirit of God is what's going to ignite a revival in this place. So I agree with you. We're praying for revival. We're praying for revival in every church. We're praying for revival in every community, in every region, in every city. And some people, they will pray for it and others won't. But we got to say, well, what is our role to play? Your DNA that God is placing you here is very unique and will be different to another DNA of other churches in the city. This morning I felt, uh, well, what I felt for you guys is just to speak on the Holy Spirit. Now you've had an incredible gift in Kia Taylor here last week. And I'm pretty sure you've uh, received the evangelism gift and anointing that he is. Uh, incredible man. Um, done great ministry. There's a history with the Oliver family. Bryn is for years. Taryn's brother for years. Ministered with him in the nations as well. We've come a long way with Kia. When we planted in Cape Town, he's also come to minister there and help us do some things there. But I tell you what, when God sends gifting like that, he's equipping and so for us, there's an equipping that takes place for the works of service. When you go read Ephesians chapter 4, it says, The apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors have been given to the body for the equipping of the saints, which means it's me and you. It's like you don't have to be an evangelist to appreciate his gift. You have to be anybody to appreciate his gift and say, Well, I want what it is that is upon his life. We want to run with it and we want to go. We're going to go do what the Lord has called us to do. So uh, I want to ask a question. I mean, all around the world, we, we've seen what's happened with COVID. We've seen the positive and negative effects, probably more negative than positive, right? Uh, we've been lucky to be in a nation. I mean, you could sit here and you could look out here. I saw pictures and videos of people in mainland China where they're in buildings and they, they are wailing out the windows because they haven't come out of the apartment block for months. Foods being delivered, not enough food. People are fighting at the lifts for food that's being delivered to the buildings. I mean, there's things in COVID that's really, in a sense, was designed to break the world. But I want to say that the kingdoms of this world must be shaken so that what's only of God can remain. And so there's lessons we need to learn from COVID. There's things that we need to onboard in ourselves and say, what, it is, what is it that we are going to learn so that we don't repeat the mistakes of the past? But it's almost like when, when you put gold in a furnace it's so that the, the dross, I think is the word, or the, the, that which is not pure must be purged from it so that that which is pure must remain. You see the thing about suffering and pressure. I mean, that's the scripture that I was introduced to, so I've got to just deal with it. The thing about suffering and pressure is there's a purging that takes place. The Spirit of God is called the Holy Spirit for a reason. doesn't mean we don't have the grace of God and we can't enter His presence. But I want to say, when you enter His presence, you cannot remain the same. He changes you. He purges what is not of God so that what is of God can remain and can be given to the world. If we want to pray for revival, if we want to really see God move, not only in Belito, but wherever we find ourselves, we're really going to have to relook at the theme of the person of the Holy Spirit. There's been, uh, who's followed some of these revivals that's broken out in America in the universities, some of them, Ashbury Revival. This morning I got a call 
uh, Regent University. I know that in Cleveland, where my dad did his theology degree, um, I can't remember what the university's name is. But anyway, they've, they've also got a prayer meeting that hasn't stopped for two or three weeks now. God's doing this, and He's doing it for a reason. I mean, when the, when the world's at its worst, they need God. And that's what's happening. I mean, everybody looks at America. The world's a terrible place right now to be. If you look at it like, oh my word, everything's going downhill. Wonderful. It's a time for the truth and purity of God to show itself. God is not coming back for a tattered bride with a broken dress and full of mud and filth. He's coming for a pure and spotless bride. And I always said, you know what? When Jesus comes back and he sends his angels to bring in the harvest, they're not going to wonder who's believers and who's not believers. So don't fret when the unbelievers start becoming vocal and showing themselves. No, 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 no. It's so that what is pure can be shown and what is not pure will show itself. And we are trusting to save those people. Saving is in the hand of God, but we are reaching out, we are preaching, we are trusting, we are wanting Him to move upon them. Revival, what is it? What is revival? I mean, that should be our prayer, is revive us, Lord. You know, revival is not only upon a meeting or upon a place, it's upon a person. Revival has to come to us. I want to talk this morning about Pentecost, what it means, but have you had a personal Pentecost? A personal experiencing the gift of the Holy Spirit, this promise of God. Is it something just that, that happened back then 2,000 years ago or when you got saved, you've got this distant memory of God the Holy Spirit coming and touching your heart or your life? Was it something that is real to you like a memory of yesterday and you're continuing to experience the person of the Holy Spirit today in your life? You see, the Bible says that God... The Holy Spirit is as much Lord as God the Father and God the Son. We have to realize that. We, we have to realize that God the Son is our focus. He's Jesus. He saved us. He died for us on the cross. He became the fulfillment of the law for us. But God the Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus said, Wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. Do not leave Jerusalem. So there's a sense that Jesus came and he took care of the penalty of the law. And he was the fulfillment of the law. But the promise of the Holy Spirit is what we need. The same Holy Spirit he had when he was doing ministry on this earth. You guys are not by chance in this church. You're not by chance. Coming from Rob Rufus, I'm pretty sure that some of the things I say this morning will just trigger your heart. But the reality is when God gathers you like this, it's so that He can work through you. There's not one of you here that is sitting here because God does not have a plan for your life in this place. If you are here, I want to say God has a plan for you. You're never too old and you're never too young to work in the kingdom of God. This morning I was chatting to you and I was just telling you how young my kids were when they had to just throw in the deep end in planting a church. It's like... Someone's got to lead worship and Abby put up her hand. I'll do it, Dad. It's like, oh my word, no one else put up their hand, but Abby did. It's like, come my girl, next Sunday, me and you. Church was never as full as that morning. Everybody wanted to come see this religious area that we worked into. What does it look like when a six-year-old leads worship with her dad? That was the conversation of the week. Wasn't a dry eye in the place. Not because she was brilliant like this morning. I mean, that's years and years of practice. I mean, she didn't have teeth. Sorry, Abby. She did have front teeth. 
But she was a vessel that was available. And I tell you what, God filled that vessel with incredible gifting. The nations are still going to benefit from what it is that God did in her life. You're never too old, you're never too young. The calling of God is not age dependent. You know, it bothers me when I drive past churches and it says Stilte Kerk. It's like, why? The kingdom of heaven has a noise. When the kingdom of God comes, when Jesus comes back, it's not going to be like, okay, everybody quiet. Jesus is coming. No, it says the heavens will roar. It's going to break open and there's going to be thousands upon thousands of angels. It's going to be a joyful assembly. What does that mean? There's some noise involved. Right, I'm running ahead of myself, but that's just the nature of preaching. Jesus Christ is Lord. What does that mean? But is God the Father Lord as well? And is Jesus this, uh, promise the gift of the Holy Spirit Lord as well? You see, we've got, to be very, we've got to be very clear in our hearts and in our minds. What is the role of the Godhead? We serve a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So those that love the things of the Spirit will gravitate towards the things of the Spirit. Those that love just not chaos will just say, well, just give me Jesus. I don't need the person of the Holy Spirit. He can just speak to me when he wants to. And that's the way we work, isn't it? That's the default of man. But I want to say you cannot accept Jesus but by the Spirit of God. You need the person of the Holy Spirit actively at work in you even to get saved. What about all the wonderful promises of God to say, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you go read that scripture, it's in 2 Corinthians 3, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Just think of that for a moment. It does not say Jesus is not Lord. It's clear. Jesus is Lord. He's seated above all authority, rule, and power. He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. My favorite subject, Jesus. But if we say that the Holy Spirit is not Lord, we will not experience the freedom that comes with the anointing and the power and the release of the Spirit of God and that's why he told his disciples, stay in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. They had Jesus. They needed the Holy Spirit. You see, church planting is both exciting and terrifying. I tell you what, this thing will, will, will work with your emotions more than anything else. Because you have the promise of God. But I want to say, you also have the Spirit of God. You see, without the Spirit of God, what you're wanting to do is impossible in the natural. But that's why it's a promise. Because it's only walking in the Spirit and in step with the Spirit that together, collectively, this group that God is gathering here right now will look back and say, Oh, how good the Lord was to us. Look at what the Lord has done. Why are you part of a church plant? To reach homeless Christians. To reach the lost. I mean, we know it's always, we're reaching the lost. What about those that have not found a home? Where this is their home. This is where God has placed you. God is saying to you that, yes, there's the baptism of the Spirit of God. And we'll speak about that in a moment. Time willing. But also there's a baptism into the body to say, this is my body. This is my fellowship. This is my community. 
And when you have that, when you've made the decision that this is my body, we are together, we are going to plant this church, what God has called us to do. That unity in the faith, it's like God says, how wonderful it is when brothers dwell together in unity. There the blessing, the dew of Hermon comes and the blessing of the Lord will, will rest upon that. Tell you what, keep the faith and have vision. And say to yourself, this is, if this is where God has called me to, what is it that I need to position myself for? Reaching those homeless Christians and those that are lost. The Holy Spirit has been treated like an optional extra. It's unfortunate, hey. It's like he's the Cinderella of the Trinity. It's only for those that are weird and wonderful. If you've got purple hair and you can prophesy and you're female, then the Holy Spirit's for you. No, it's not. There's a prophet right there. He's sitting right there. Where's your purple hair, bro? You know what I mean? No. Accept the gift. The Bible says Jesus himself said a prophet has no honor in his hometown. When you receive a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. When you receive a teacher, apostle, evangelist, or whatever, last week here, yeah, if you receive the gift, you'll receive the reward of the gift. doesn't make Kier less of an evangelist if you didn't receive his gift. It's just receiving his gift and the blessing of God comes with that gift. You see, the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's the main point of Jesus coming is to set us free from slavery. And I want to say a lot of people, even Christians, are enslaved today, still to the things of the world because they have not accepted the fullness of the work of the Spirit of God in their life. With the Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom, there's liberty. You go read Isaiah 61. I mean, let me quickly touch on it. But Isaiah chapter 61, all night prophesies about Jesus, but it also speaks to our context today. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Who anoints? The Spirit of God. Whose spirit was upon Jesus? The spirit of the sovereign Lord, the Holy Spirit. Who sent him? He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, a release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, a oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, you can go read all of this. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of, of the Lord for the display of His splendor. I think you wanted to see a scripture out of that this morning. You, you read this and you realize the importance of the Spirit of God. You go read Acts chapter 10 verse 38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Spirit and with power and how He went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the enemy. Which begs the question, if Jesus had to be anointed by the Spirit of God, how can we do any ministry without the Spirit of God? This is Jesus. I want to ask, and please forgive me, maybe theologically you might differ from me, but I want to ask, could Jesus do the works He did without the Spirit of God? My answer would be no, personally. I, I believe Jesus was fully God, but also fully man. And he himself, as God and man, 
needed the anointing of God. That was God's design that God the Father has His specific function. God the Spirit has His specific function. God the Son has His specific function. And in that, Jesus Himself needed the anointing of God to rest upon Him, to go out, to proclaim a recovery of sight to the blind, healing of those who were brokenhearted, uh, oil of joy, Gladness, all these things. You can read Isaiah 61. Is his commission any different than ours? No. He said, as I was, I am sending you into the world. So what is your function? You can read Isaiah 61 and say, in Belito and the surrounds and to the ends of the earth, however you want to play that, you need to proclaim good news to the poor. You need to send your sin to bind up the brokenhearted. Oh, I don't want to really want to have coffee with this Tani. I mean, she's just crying all the time. Maybe you there to bring healing to her. What, what can happen in a moment in the presence of God, a hundred counseling sessions could possibly not fix. A release from darkness for the prisoners. That's the whole thing. Freedom is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Who brings freedom? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Too much are we trying to do things in the flesh. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I say we've got to be led by the Spirit of God. Because then the words we speak. How did God create the heavens and the earth? God said let there be light. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And the Spirit of God brought about the creative power in whatever we can see right now. You look out here, the Holy Spirit was the creative dunamis power agent that brought about the creation. It wasn't just God the Father saying. In fact, the theologians will go as far as to say, He spoke the Word and the Word was Jesus. And in speaking Jesus, the power of God came, the Holy Spirit, and created everything we see. You see the function of the Holy Spirit even in the creative power of God. That's how we have to live. We have to love God the Father. Jesus said that He unites us to the Father. That's the whole purpose of, of salvation is to bring us back to the Father. The hearts of the sons to the Father, all that, to, to bring that back. But to God the Father, Jesus brought back the restoration. Jesus brings us to Himself in this kingdom that we are currently part of. It says that He's the King of this kingdom. One day the Bible says... 1 Corinthians 15, he'll hand it back to the Father. So we can say, well, it's Jesus' kingdom. It is, but it is a kingdom given until he hands it back to the Father. It's like people are excluding the Father heart. We can't do that. But none of this is able and available unless we have the Holy Spirit. It's like think of the giftings. Even, the, even operating in our gift. It's like we are sounding gong and a resounding symbol if we try and do this in the flesh. But when we have the Spirit of God, we can act and operate in the love of God in the way He's called us to do that. God the Holy Spirit is not a ghost. just want to say that. And I understand that translations say the Holy Ghost, but not the Holy Ghost in the way Hollywood presents Casper or one of these other demonic ghosts. No, the, the word ghost in the Bible literally means uh, pneuma, I think is the Greek word, but it's, it's spirit. God the Holy Spirit. 
We are spiritual beings. I mean, you, the day you were born, you were already an eternal being. You've been given a spirit that will never die. You can either have the spirit be revived by the Holy Spirit and become a Christian or part of the kingdom of God, or you can not have your spirit revived. And that means when you die, you're already part of the kingdom of the enemy. And you are, unfortunately, your eternity is terrible. You're spiritual beings. You were a spiritual being before. <laughs> Let me just put this way. Everything we see was created from a realm that is not the physical realm that we see. God sent His one and only Son. When God said, let there be light, God already existed before He created. Everything is created from a kingdom that is unseen perspective. And He is in control of that kingdom. He is the King of Kings. And He has got an order and a way. And let me, let me just run quickly. He's got an order and a way. He created the heavens and the earth and Adam and Eve sinned. And separation came between man and God. And there's prophets and kings and all kinds of things that led up and prophesied and led up to this point where Jesus came, where he was the fulfillment of the law. Everything that happened in the law up until that point in time spoke about this Messiah that was to come. The Jews missed him. We know that. But he is the Messiah and he is the one that was prophesied. He's the fulfillment of the law. But then, further than that, Jesus Christ said that you need to wait until I give you a new teacher, a new advocate, a new comforter, the person of the Holy Spirit that now guides us in Christ. So now we are in Christ when we get saved and He is our guiding teacher and light and know more the law. Do you love Jesus? Absolutely. Do you want to know more about Jesus? You need the Holy Spirit. You cannot know Jesus without the Holy Spirit. That's why people can write theology books and it's like dead men's bones. They can write about Jesus but there's no life in it. Why? Because they don't have the Spirit of God. You need the Spirit of God to be able to understand the Word of God about Jesus. I'm going to read Acts quickly, just for us to create a little bit of context around Pentecost. And then we'll say one or two things about Acts 2, verse 1 to 13, and then I'll read 14 to 21. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Alright, I'm going to skip to verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. Verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not as drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see vision. Old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I'll show them wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood, fires, billows of smoke. 
The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Incredible scripture. You can go read the whole of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 talks about Pentecost. It says when the day of Pentecost came and then certain things happened. We'll look now at what Pentecost was. And then, but what happened at this moment is there was this the sound of a violent wind that came from heaven. It says it came into the house. This wind came into the house. And then there was tongues of fire and it separated, came to sit on each of them. And the amazing thing for me is it wasn't just for those who were believers. The believers got saved, but the bewilderment and the sound and everything could be heard by the unbelievers, who then after that, it says 3,000 were added to their, to their number. You see, sometimes there's a sound and we want to we make the Holy Spirit very clinical. It's like, no, 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 come on, guys. You know, just now someone will be a little bit put out by the fact that someone got speaking in tongues or filled by the Spirit of God. This is normal. Christianity, Christianity 101, where was the church birth? With a violent wind from heaven and an outpouring of the Spirit, which is the Spirit of God filled all of them. It wasn't just, well, touch. It was a filling. It was an overwhelming. The, word, the Greek word for baptism in the Spirit is baptizo, which means an immersion, to submerge, an infilling. It was something that was very different to how we do clinical church. There was amazement. There was perplexity. They thought they were drunk. <laughs> they even speak about the last days. If that was the last days, how close are we to the last of the last days? 2,000 years ago. In the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Then we know there's lots of prophecies about what needs to happen in the last days. I mean, they had a focus on the return of Jesus. You want to see the church revive again? Focus on the return of Jesus. Focus on the outpouring of the Spirit. Focus on Jesus as being the solution to all of that. You have to. Christ has died. Christ has risen. That is what Pentecost was about. Pentecost was a commemoration of the, the exodus of Egypt where they had this thing called the Feast of Booths, the tabernacle, tabern Feast of Tabernacles. And a lot of people from different areas, all these uh, people from Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, were all these Jews that came together and they were commemorating and celebrating two things. One, they were delivered from the bondage of Egypt. Okay, And then, like they were traveling in the desert, they had to live in these tents. That's why it was called the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. And they came together and during this time, they also remembered that after they left Egypt, the law was handed down. So they celebrated the law. Isn't that quite incredible? It's like they celebrated. The law was handed down. We had the law given to us. The law is our guiding light. The law is our teacher. The law is our schoolmaster. How incredible is it that on Pentecost, when they're celebrating the law as their schoolmaster, okay, is when... God decided His Spirit will be poured out where now the Spirit of God is our teacher. The Spirit of God is our guiding light. The Spirit of God is our comforter. He's the one that leads us. An incredible time for this to happen. The timing was perfect. 
How's this just for a stat? So 50 days after the Exodus, all right, they commemorated the giving of the Ten Commandments 50 days after the Exodus, the, the law was handed down. All right. So the Exodus happened 50 days after the law was handed down on Mount Sinai. 50 days after Jesus was raised from the dead, the Spirit of God was poured out. The same time in the calendar that the law was handed down after they were released from their bondage is the same time the Holy Spirit was handed out. And Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem till you clothe the power from on high. It was exactly the same time when they were commemorating the handing down of the law that God's Spirit was given. You see that switch? You see what happens is the law, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not replace it. But the Holy Spirit came as a replacement of the law, as our teacher. This is now the law of God will be written on our hearts. Now we have His presence with us. In fact, if you go read scripture around this, it actually says that He will come and He will tabernacle with us. We become the Feast of Booths, those tabernacles, those tents. We are now the, this, the tent this body of ours where His presence lives. That's an incredible thing, isn't it? John 14, just a few verses from that. Verse 15 to 19 and then verse 26. It says, If you love me, keep my commands. I will ask of the Father and He'll give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. Isn't that incredible? What is the function of an advocate? It's to come and bring truth and to fight for people. An advocate's there to, to fight your case on your behalf. The Spirit of God is described as the Spirit of truth. He's the advocate. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He lives with you and will be in you. Don't just... Fall for it that the Spirit of God is with us, so we'll be okay. No, it's the Spirit of God inside of you. You see, we need to have His presence with us and in us. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. We'll touch on that in a moment. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. This is Jesus' own words. Jesus told His disciples, Keep my commands. I will ask the Father. He'll give you another Advocate who will be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept Him because it can't see Him or know Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you. He will be in you. He will not leave you as orphans. Before long you'll see me again. Because I love, you will live. And then it says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of things said to Him. So what is the function of the Spirit of Truth, of the Advocate? We live in an age where there's a lot of falsehood. I mean, deception is rife. What does the Spirit of God do? It helps us to discern truth. It's the Spirit of discernment. It says that He's with us. But he will also be an indwelling witness. He, he is the witness of the finished work of Jesus and the cross in our lives. He's also our guide where we can hear him. I mean, think of how Acts chapter 2 said, what will happen in the last days? 
They'll see visions. They'll have dreams. Young men, slaves, not slaves, older people, doesn't matter who it is. There's no distinguishing between race and age for the Spirit of God. You can have your daughter see a vision and you can have Kevin have a dream and you can have a prophetic word and all of that's good. All of that's God. There's this spirit of adoption that says we are no longer orphans but we are children of God and the Spirit of God witnesses us that that is true. But then it also says that unbelievers cannot have this. They cannot see Him. They don't understand Him. Ever wondered why? Jeepers, is the world crazy? Yes, they are. They cannot see the truth because they do not have the Spirit of truth. But once the Spirit of truth is revealed to them, they can accept Him and it's like scale falls off their eyes. They see the truth. Unfortunately, there's a lot of false doctrine and fables. And just recently, a very well-known worldwide book writer, teacher, everybody knows him. He's just teaching a lot of junk. And it's, he's pulling people away from the faith. I want to say, you know what? There's also wolves in sheep clothing. And I'm not focusing on those guys, but you need to focus on Christ. And you need to have his spirit. And you'll be able to discern. Then we don't have to worry about, well, what if we deceived about this? And what about that? You know why they're signs of the times? Signs of the times is not to distract you. Signs of the times is to confirm that you're on the right path. If we're going to go for a hike here. It's like, oh my goodness, there's a sign. And we all camp at the sign. We make a bribe. We tell everybody, look at the sign. No, that's not the point. The sign is just to point you that you're going in the right direction. And what's happening now is people are they just camping at signs, man. And they are describing the sign. And the sign used to be blue, but now it's spray painted and it's multicolored. And forget about that. The sign is just telling you on the right direction. The Spirit of God leads us. All right. We're almost done. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. I want to make a point there. Remember what happened with the book of Acts. The Spirit of God was poured out. The unbelievers came in bewilderment and they got saved. We cannot hide the outpouring of the Spirit of God for us. It's like this has got to be a closed behind the door thing. No. When the believers meet the person of the Spirit of God, he is the one that convicts them of sin and unrighteousness, that Jesus is Lord. We have to introduce the full package to unbelievers. It's almost like secret Christianity. Come to church, we'll tell you about Jesus. And then when you're three to six months in, we'll start introducing you. We'll, we'll come slowly. It's like warming up a, a little cinnabon. We'll introduce you slowly to the person of the Spirit, just not to scare you away. That's not what I see in the Bible. I see in the Bible, bewilderment, tons of fires resting on each of them, 3,000. How should we get saved? Repentance happening as a result of an outpouring of the Spirit of God. That's, that's, what, well, that's what I'm after. I'm after God the Spirit being honored as Lord as much as Jesus is honored as Lord. Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
The spirit you receive does not make you slaves that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought you about, brought about your adoption as sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. By who? By the spirit of God. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. How do we share in his sufferings? By faith. We go through physical sufferings and we share in that as well. And you know, it says we must go through many hardships to inherit the kingdom of God. I get that. But that's, that's not a scripture that says that you're not a son until you've suffered. No, it's saying when you're a son, you'll go through some things. There are some hardships in the kingdom of God. But you don't have to fear. You've got the spirit of sonship. You're adopted into the household of God. You can call him Abba, Father. So firstly, God... The Father sent His Son that ministered to the law for us. God the Son became the curse of the law for us on the cross. And as a result of that, we can now, through the Spirit of God, say, Abba, Father. And by the Spirit of God, be led by His Spirit, be empowered by His Spirit, to do the works of God that He has called us on this earth. 2 Timothy 3 says, Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. That's the world we deal with. That's the world that I look, when I look out there, what I'm dealing with is that. This is like sin is rife and it's just become more rife. But as for you, verse 14, 2 Timothy 3, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of, because you know those you learned it from, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for good work. God equips us for the world that we live in. And then lastly, God empowers us for the world we're living in. John 20 verse 21, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that incredible? He breathed on his disciples. To receive the Holy Spirit even before he poured out the Spirit at, at Pentecost. So it was on some people, but Pentecost allowed it to be available to everyone. So what does it mean to be Pentecostal? It just means, well, if you're Jewish, it means you believe that you've been delivered from Egypt. If you're Christian, it means you've been delivered from your bondage. But actually further than that, we believe in the outpouring of the Spirit as relevant to us today. So I catch some friends with that sometimes and they will say, well, you know, I'm not Pentecostal. I was like, well, do you believe in the outpouring of the Spirit? I'm sorry to say, then you are Pentecostal. Otherwise, you've got to stop believing in that. It's not like we put a jersey on. I'm just saying we've got to be stopping afraid of what people think of us. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. No, you're of Christ. If it's in here, we want it. 
if it's the Holy Spirit that He says we need, we want all of it. Even if it comes against my theology that maybe I've grown up very conservative and says, well, no, we, that's just not for me. Well, no, it is for you. It's maybe exactly for you. So, uh, 